Sometimes I even curse in my sleep, even when I'm having a good dream. Be advised. Hey y'all, I'm Jen. I'm from Oakland and I'm a queer black feminist scholar. This is Darren, hailing from the mean streets of Anaheim. I'm an introvert, a novelist, and a nerd. We're early 30-somethings with three kids and over a decade of marriage. This is a podcast about the realities of blackness and adult life. We do adult differently. This is That Black Couple. Hi. Hey, hello. It's episode 28 of season two of That Black Couple. How you doing, Darren? I'm, good. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. You're pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. This is Jen. That's Darren over there. We'd like you to grab. Okay, this makes me sad. So I want y'all to grab like a margarita, like to to harken back to the days when we could go to the restaurants when the restaurants was open, and we could go out and we could we we could sit there, and they'd be like, and then we we would be like, I want a margarita, and then they'd be like, a pitcher, and you'd be like. And we look around the table and you'd be like, do we want a picture, everybody? And then they'd be like, yeah, get a picture. And then and then we get a picture, you know? Yeah, or, I remember or, that Mexican restaurant we used to go to where they had those uh, margarita specials. And if you got in there before six, they were half price. I know. <sighs> and then, like, remember sometime you go and then you'd be like, they'd be like, you want the size? And you'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, well, the bigger one is only, and you'd be like, give me the bigger one. Why, why get the small one? Why get the small one? You know? No. Yeah. Those were the days. So just get y'all a, a margarita to just reminisce. Reminisce on the yeah. alcohol. <laughs> Door dash it to your house. Door dash you it to, to your house. Okay, <laughs> have a seat. It's that black couple. We back and everything. Before we get started, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that BLK couple on Facebook at that black couple and look us up on the internet at www.thatblackcouple.com. You can stream every single one of our episodes on Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And you have to rate us high because this is going to be a landmark episode. This is a landmark episode and I'm holding on to it because the title is That Queer Black Couple, Gender Fluidity and Asexuality. And it's kind of a big deal or whatever. It's a, it's a big deal. Today. It's a lot of, it's a, we, okay. We've been in quarantine and a lot's been going down over here at this place in this basement where we live. We don't live in our basement, but that's where we record the podcast. A lot's been going on. And so you you want to get into it? It's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot, but I don't, I don't actually think this is probably going to be one of our shorter episodes. It'll be short, but wow. But I think be, there's a, there's a, it's going to be packed. It's, it's be highly concentrated. It's like tang powder. Yes. You know what I'm saying? When you're making tang, you don't need a whole lot of powder. No. You just you put a whole bunch of water and that tang powder, boom, you got a well, whole carafe of tang. You know, we, we're sharing today. And I will say when I was a kid, I used to eat, I used to eat country time lemonade powder at the, at the, the package. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't mix it with water and make lemonade. I would just Disgusting. eat it. It's like that. It's going to be highly concentrated. Highly concentrated. It's going to get you in the back of the throat and them things. You're going to make a face like, mm, mm, mm-hmm. mm. 
like that. Mm. But then, but then it's so good, you're gonna want some more. You're gonna, you gonna want more. Yeah, you're gonna want more. Like that. Like that. Let's keep going. You ready to get started? Yeah, let's go. I'm ready. Okay, first things first. Let's get started with segment one. Go ahead, Darren. Get us started, yeah, bro. So, well, yeah. So, like you were saying, you know, we've been on quarantine. It's been like what eight months or something. I don't. Nigga, no. I've lost track of time since March, bro. Since March, it feels it's longer only than six that. Months, bro. It feels longer than six Let me months. Let like this blunt. To you. All right, yeah, so we've been, I've, I've basically been in the house mm-hmm. for like six months straight. And I think this has been a great opportunity to really kind of explore and examine ourselves and like really, you know, look ourselves in the mirror and, and, and ask ourselves the hard questions and stuff, you, you know. Get, you sound real Michael Jackson, 1999, <laughs> Tyra Banks, white collar video talking to the uh, man in the <laughs> that's what it's been like though you know really really i because I, I think what happens is we've been stuck in the house and so there's just less run around like yeah. there's still plenty of things to do but there's less distraction because you you stuck looking at yourself and and for us luckily at least there's a few other people in the house to look at but we've stuck here so that, that's that's where we've been i think it's it's kind of led us to really think about things um, about our relationship and how our relationship works, about ourselves, right. about what we want out of life. You right. know, we kind of really have spent a lot of time thinking about that. Right. And I'll say the big, the the, the big, you know, start to that is, and I think we said this before, but but we did start an official business. We did. We are on the books with the government. Yes. As an actual business. Yes. And we have some some things that we're we're working on rolling out at the moment. So yes. if you haven't heard a lot from us. It's not that we've been sitting at home, you know, yeah. drinking margaritas with our feet up. No. We've been actually getting a lot of shit done. A lot at home. of shit done. A lot. It, there are a lot. There are quite a few announcements that are in the works that will be coming down the pipeline very soon. Yeah. Yes. But these, what we're talking about today, are really conversations that we've been having with ourselves, with our friends, uh, with our therapists working through our identity and the ways that we see ourselves showing up in the world. And I'm excited about it because I think there's a lot of alignment happening in our lives right now that is aligning both like our personal identities and our career lives, right? So we have a lot of a lot of interesting things happening. And I think we should go ahead and just tell people because I'm sure they're just waiting for us to go ahead and say what we talk about. I know they're probably like, what the hell? Just the fucking fuck say what you want to say. Okay, so then let's go ahead and do that. Let's go. This podcast is supported by generous donations from listeners and readers of our mom and dad's web magazine, watercoolercombos.com. You can stream the show on Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. When you listen, please consider hitting that heart button, sharing, giving us a five-star rating, and leaving some dope comments. This helps us with our page rankings and gets more listeners for the show. Thank you so much. Okay, so we're back. We're back. And so, uh, you know, what's the announcement? The Well, my announcement is I am gender fluid or gender queer, which comes under the gender non-conforming umbrella and my pronouns are they them what's your announcement my announcement is that i am asexual wow those are some announcements there those are some announcements so you want to start us off by telling us what that means sure let's do it so i'm I'm sure i'm fairly certain there are some people listening to this 
yes. that are hearing what we just said and don't know what the hell any of that shit means. Correct. So um, I'll just talk about asexuality for a little bit as to what that is and what it means and okay. what it means for me. So, you know, when you think about LGBTQ+, plus, mm-hmm. asexuality is in that plus. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people say LGBTQIA mm-hmm. instead of just LGBTQIA. Q plus mm-hmm. um, A mm-hmm. is the asexual and the LGBTQIA. <laughs> yeah. um, asexuality is um, it's the lack of sexual attraction to others, or it's like a low or absent interest in or desire for sexual activity. Mm-hmm. And I want people to be very clear in understanding that asexuality is a sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes gets very confused because people are like, well, what does that mean? Does it mean that? You know, you have just, you know, made a vow to God that you're not going to have sex. Does it like does it mean that there's some chemical imbalance in your body that you need to take a pill to Mm -hmm. to increase the desire in you? Or is is, like what does all that mean? But no, it's an actual orientation. It's a way of existing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, in in understanding what asexuality is, I also want to make sure people understand that it's an umbrella. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. not like asexuality means one thing. There's a whole entire spectrum Mm -hmm. of people who all would identify as asexual, but that means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Mm. Um, I, when I was doing research, cause I want, you know, I was trying to have my, my notes in alignment of so course. I can, can educate the people. Yeah. Um, and so it's been said that there's nearly 150 different identities under that asexual umbrella. Mm. Right. And I, I, I say that to say that no two asexual people are the same. Mm. Everyone is going to be unique in what, and where they live their, their life and what their desires are and who they are and, and if they're even romantic or if they're not romantic, mm. right? All of those things are on a spectrum. And so it just creates this long, you know, different way of people kind of identifying and living their lives. Mm-hmm. For me, it's, it's interesting because I never considered myself a queer person. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I was like, I'm just, you know, a black man in America, <laughs> just like every other black man in America. And this is... <laughs> You know, the way that I see things and the way I experience things is the exact same way that everyone else does. <laughs> um, and so it's taken a lot of time for me to even accept and understand what asexuality means and that I, I am an asexual person. Mm. And I'm still in the process of figuring that out. And I think even looking over the, the whole landscape of my life, that realization really colors a lot of my growing up very differently. Mm. Um, so for me, you know, just like most kids, you go through puberty and it's like, oh, yeah, everyone wants to be out here fucking. And, mm-hmm. and, and who wants to, to grab they, they, they breast and who wants to, to stick their thing and a thing. And for me, that was never like I always thought that people were fronting. You know, like I always thought they saw something in, on TV or in a movie and they're just trying to emulate and match that because mm. they, they don't understand themselves or they haven't figured that out. And, you know, that means I should be doing the exact same thing because mm. that's what they're knowing, right? Because we're all the same, remember? Mm-hmm. And so now as an adult and really understanding myself and, and looking back and I'm like, wow, no, some of those people, that w- that was them. That was just who they were and how they saw the world and how their body reacted to the world. And mm-hmm. that that's just wasn't me mm-hmm. um and so for me being asexual just means i don't i don't walk around led by my libido mm-hmm. it means i don't walk around like oh man if, like it, like they always say that that men think about sex on average every five seconds yeah i don't do that <laughs> like that's that's just it's just not 
something that I have ever done in my entirety of life. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm I'm a smart guy. I know a lot of math. I was thought, well, that's the average. So <laughs> maybe I'm just you know on the on the high end of the average, and there's some other people that are thinking about it every second, and you know it averages out to five. Um, but and that's the that's the thing is just really realizing that everyone is unique and different, and they are themselves. And I think it's also really helped me to kind of think about everyone on earth and realizing everyone is unique and different. And there are some people that are hypersexual. There are some people that are asexual. There are some people that are on the wide spectrum of things between those two points. And there's no point in trying to categorize or bucket everyone to be the exact same. And I think that's where we as a society always fall down is when we try to try to streamline everything to where everyone is supposed to act or feel or think or live or believe all the same exact things. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I I mean, I have questions about this. Sure. But, I mean, I feel like I should do my stuff first, right? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Let's so, so, in the LGBTQIA, I am the B and the Q. Mm-hmm. And we've already known that. So, my my queerness is not changing. But what's changing for me is my orientation to gender. So, I've pretty much always considered myself a cisgender woman um not heterosexual but i always thought i thought i was cisgender and it was like even though it was kind of a weird connection to it i was like that's what they say i am so that must be what i am yay Mm -hmm. um and i didn't challenge it because i didn't have the vocabulary or the i don't know know how to understand why i would feel the need to challenge it so um, over quarantine, I've really sat with myself and my experiences and I'm understanding myself to be a gender fluid person. Um, and I've talked about myself a lot as gender queer, like in high school. And I've said that, and I'm, I'm reminding myself now, like I've said that to people and they were like, so are you a woman? And I'm like, why are you saying that? Cause to me it was like, I was gender queer in high school and now I'm not. And they're like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> Um, and I think that for me, what I'm finding is that the way that I embody gender has never been something where I always feel like a woman. Like I don't walk around all day feeling like a woman. And when I was a girl, you know, a child, I didn't feel like I was just walking around and I always was a girl. I just didn't. There were times where I didn't feel any gender at all. Like right now, I don't feel any gender at all. And there are times where I very much so feel a gender. And sometimes it's not the one that I was assigned at birth. And for me, I thought that was normal. Like, I just assumed that people, you know, just kind of, I don't know what I assumed. How well, when you are know? Growing, when you're growing up, you're figuring things out. And so you just feel like, well, everyone's figuring these out, these things out in right. this way. Right. And I remember when I was 11, like going to my mom and like trying to like comb my hair into a high top fade and telling her I wanted to be a boy and like her looking at me and going, girl, if you don't go fix your hair. And I just went in my room and like went on with my life. But like I was trying to say something, you know, like I was mm-hmm. genuinely trying to say something. Um, and there were times growing up where I did not feel like a girl, like I saw the girls and I felt like they were just so foreign to me. And there were times where I just was like, wow, I wish I could just be with the boys. And I would be, right? And, like, I felt safer and I felt more comfortable and I felt like that was where I was supposed to be. And it wasn't in a romantic way. It wasn't in a, in a um, you know, a narcissistic way. It was in a more like a, 
I'm one of them way, you know? And, um, for me coming into like adulthood, the only time I ever in my whole life, I can say I ever really felt like a woman was in my twenties when I was pregnant and carrying children and nursing babies. That's the only time in my whole life I've ever really felt like a woman. And I think it was because it triggered so much of that part of me because I was, I was bringing children into the world and society was starting to align in ways with the ways that I was using my body and the ways I had been socialized to believe that women behave. Right. But, you know, after leaving that stage of my life, I didn't feel tethered to womanhood anymore. And all of a sudden it was gone again, you know? And, and the further I get from that, the further I get from that tether. And I'm just like, I don't know what that is. I look back at pictures of me from that time and I laugh and other people do too. And I'm like, Ooh, she was in drag, bro. Like, (laughs) you know, like I definitely don't associate with that part of my life or with that part of my identity. And I know that it was formative for me. And I know that it was important for me to be where I am today, but I just don't identify with that. And I'm realizing that there are times now where I feel dysphoria with my womanhood where when folks draw attention to me as a woman and in certain instances when they do that it feels very uncomfortable for me you know when I'm in new environments and I hear people say she to me and it's for instance a white person that is the most disconcerting thing in my life right now right and I'm realizing it's because my gender is deeply black right so I'm harkening back to Hari Ziad's work which I always quote like my gender is deeply deeply black And the way that I move through my gender can only be understood through a lens of my race because my body has been marked by society's expectations of black girls and black women's bodies. Like the exploitation and the idea that I should be reproducing for a man, the idea that my body is free and available to whoever wants it on the street. You know, all of those things have affected the way I was able to move through the world and how I did or didn't feel safety, you know, me being sexually assaulted multiple times in high school and my orientation to cisgender men, all of that has come into play in the way that I was able to express my gender. And I think in some ways I felt safer performing cisgender womanhood because it kept me alive. Yeah. It was a mode of survival, right? Tapping into the ways that I could, be able to see myself in that identity and be able to have society see myself in that identity, it gave me a lot of safety. That being a fucking androgynous, genderqueer person does not. (laughs) Definitely does not. (laughs) You know? So I think for me, now, as someone who is coming to terms with the fact that, you know, gender fluidity and genderqueerness both fall under the non-conforming umbrella, which... I'm still like the idea of being non-binary and non-conforming is very, very disruptive for me. But I think that's also a core aspect of who you are as a person. Yeah. Right. You are not someone who conforms. I'm not. And so I think this is just another way that that shows up. Right. But also like being a black woman has been so important to me my whole life. And so for me to be non-conforming and a black woman, I'm trying to parse that. But then I'm also thinking that it makes sense because black women's gender is not along the binary. 
Exactly. Black women's gender is inherently androgynous. It's inherently nonconforming. It's inherently queer because gender as it's constructed is not made for us. So then I feel very comfortable in black woman. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's still so fraught for me. And so that's where, I mean, I think I am exploring right now. I think I'm a genderqueer black woman, meaning I am just a black woman. That's kind of deep. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can find my mom and dad, a.k.a. That Black Couple, on the web at thatblackcouple.com. That Black Couple is owned and operated by Color Convos Media. If you would like to help fund our content, sign up at www.patreon.com slash coloredconvosmedia. Please consider giving $5 or $10 per month to help us build our platform and grow our organization. You can also give one-time donations at www.paypal.me forward slash watercoolerconvos. All donations are welcome. And here we are with the reflection. Let's do it. You know, typically the reflection is a much shorter period of our episodes where we're really just kind of, you know, summarizing what we talked about. Mm-hmm. But I think clearly for this episode, we have a lot more to reflect on. Yes, we do. Um, I know for me, um, being asexual has been, well, I, I shouldn't even say just being asexual. I would say coming to terms and accepting yeah. being asexual has been kind of a roller coaster Mm -hmm. um like an emotional roller coaster um like i said before because part of it was just looking at my entire life through a whole different lens yeah that was rough um but then also i think it came into play for me thinking about just the very concept of masculinity yeah and that's something that i've always struggled with and i always thought you know oh i'm you know like a whole lot of other black people out there you know i didn't have a, a dad living in the house and so i have these you know complex and kind of intricate and weird ways that I've tried to figure out, figure out what masculinity means for me. Uh, but I think in this, in this case, it's been a deeper exploration of that because a lot of what is deemed masculine or what someone is, someone masculine looks like is generally something that's tied directly to sexuality yeah, and sexual drive and sexual prowess and all these things, right? And how you present and how big you look and how how desired you are right Mm. a lot of that is just tied up in in the very concept of sex and so for me in coming to terms with being asexual was it kind of like rocked me to the core because i was like oh man well what is it how do i say if i'm a man how do i say if i'm masculine if i'm not you know sitting here you know fantasizing about every woman that walks by like what does that even mean and so for me it's been a deeper exploration on masculinity and saying well i get to define what that means Mm -hmm. especially for me not necessarily for anyone else but for me i get to define what it means to be masculine just like you're talking about your gender you know i i questioned it because of this like it's what, what is my gender? What is, what is, mm. what, you know, what does any of this mean? And I think it reaffirmed for me that I am a man and that I feel like a man and I completely identify as a man. And mm. I don't question that or doubt it to any degree, but what it means to me to be a man is I think much more about different ideas and virtues and about how I want to live my life as opposed to what I do with my penis. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's one question I think, Whenever the concept of asexuality comes up, people always ask, well, do asexual people have sex? Mm -hmm. You know, or do asexual people, 
do they get married? Do they get in relationships? Do they have kids? Do well, they... now we know all the answers to that. Right, and I'm living Because you literally have three children upstairs. <laughs> we have three kids that are that are genetically my children. They are. Um, conceived in the natural way. Yes. So, clearly, asexual people do get married. Yes. They do have relationships. They do have sex. They do have kids, right? All those things are, are real. Yes. But, but I think it's just a different way of understanding how people... Like I, I feel like I say this all the time. It's just people walk on the earth in different ways. Yeah. And I think as humans, we always want to center things around ourselves. And so we think the way I live my life is how everyone else is or should be living their life mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And I think me identifying as asexual, coming to terms with that, and then really understanding that that means that I'm queer. Mm-hmm. And then even on this podcast, coming out and, being, yeah. and, and really growing up and never feeling not like coming I coming out, not coming out. Oh yeah, not coming out. But, inviting, but people invi- in. inviting people in. Yes. But you know, that's, I feel like, especially for us in the era that we grew up in, that was a big conversation. Yeah. You know, we, we saw, you know, <laughs> represent representations of gay people and stuff yeah. on TV, and that was a big deal. It was like, whoa! And they were this... always like white and like right normative. And, and I just never thought that I would have any type of experience that would align with that. Right? Not not thinking anything bad about anyone else's experience, but I I was like, oh, that's you know, wow, that's hard. That's got to be tough. That's, right? That's interesting, but never never even really believing that that could be me in a different way. Right. And now experiencing that and being like, wow, okay. That's me and who I am. Right. Now, there's so many other people on this earth that could be having their own unique and different experiences. Right. And how terrible is it of anyone to try and flatten the world? And we stigmatize so much. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think, and I'm really glad you talked about like manliness and how that's like machismo associated with sexual prowess and all the expectations around like performativity of sexual desire and all this shit which is really problematic shit that we need to root out and not encourage Mm -hmm. but then becomes like these positive identity markers to help say oh well you're a real man oh good well this boy is showing some really fucked up tendencies that like are making all the one day you know and like i think that's the problem too right i think that a lot and i always say this a lot more people would identify as queer a lot more people would identify as polyamorous for instance if we didn't stigmatize so much normal shit right like it's perfectly normal to not think about sex all day there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with it but we stigmatize not thinking about sex all day right like what that's weird it's strange it's goofy right and the problem that i have with all these ideas around queerness right it's still like this idea that like there's one way right queerness is like well we're we're everybody else we're everybody else but there'd be so many more of us if that normative way, the monogamy, the heterosexuality, the cisgenderness wasn't seen as this catch-all for literally every fucking thing. The binary wasn't seen as the catch-all for every... Gender is everywhere. Like, I find it so overwhelming how confronted I've always been with gender. Like, for me... I feel like I don't sound loud enough. Can you hear me? Okay. Mm-hmm. For me, with gender... I remember growing up, like, because I was so fucking tall, I remember having to always shop on the boy's side because I was 6'3 at, like, 12. Yeah. (laughs) I was over six feet tall by the time I was, like, 10. So I never got to shop in the girl's section all growing up. I was always wearing boy's clothes. 
And I stopped wearing girls clothes in air quotes when I was like seven or eight. And those were my cousin's hand-me-downs, right? Because I was growing so fast. My mom couldn't keep up and like, she couldn't buy me clothes fast enough. And like, I was miserable wearing dresses and shoes and like everything hurt all the time. There's pictures of me, like when I was a flower girl in someone's wedding at my church and I'm fucking miserable. Like I'm frowning the whole time. And I'm just angry. And all I do is like run to the car after and take my shoes off and frown for the rest of the day. Like I never liked frilly shit. I never liked dresses. I ripped the shit off of me. And like my mom still was like, we're going to put these curls in your hair, girl. Put this bonnet on. Like she was like, we're putting this shit on you. You know what I'm saying? Like you wearing these stockings, you're going to be a lady, you know? And like, I, I feel her, right? She wanted her daughter to survive. She wanted her kid to have a chance. You know what I'm saying? She named me Jennifer. That means white, pure, and fair. <laughs> Nigga. I'm none of those things. <laughs> I'm fair, I guess. <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know, and like, you know, I, I, I realized that like for my mother, for whom a lot of those traditional like european centric ideas about beauty were inaccessible right for her all she i'm sure she was trying to set me up to have access to as much of feminine identity as she could yeah not knowing that she was raising a little gender non-conforming child who had no tether to gender in that way i never felt like a girl i never felt like a girl i remember girlhood always felt like something I was fighting with constantly. It felt like everyone was like trying to force me into it. It was like a, a sweater that didn't fit. It was like shoes that were too tight. For me growing up, that was girlhood. It was rollers I had to sleep on at night that hurt hella bad. You know, it was like, yeah. when I think about girlhood, it's all these painful things. It's perms. And it's like little bracelets that prick you on your arm. It's wearing pink and it's the ugliest color I've ever seen. You know, like all of that to me is girl. And I never liked it. The only time I really liked dressing like a girl was when I realized I could like be a slut at church. (laughs) Like. (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. When Aaliyah got that skirt with the slits on both sides, I said I wanted in every size every color i had the short the medium and the long i had one that went above my knees i had one that went to my knees i had one that went to my ankles okay i was like we're doing double slits bro give me the jean one give me the black one give me the gray one i want the slits i want my legs out i want to be a whore at church and i'm like you know i was a nasty little bitch you see what i'm saying like i wasn't trying to be a girl i was trying to be a slut you know what i'm saying and i let me get off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my point being, my point being that my relationship to my body was never about my gender, right? Right. My relationship to my body still to this day has never been about my gender. I was told by everyone else to connect myself to gender. I was told you're a girl, so you're supposed to do A. You're a girl, so you're supposed to do B. The boys do that, and you don't do that. But then I couldn't explain why I was doing all those things and wanted to do all those things, right? I was an athlete. I was super tall. I played basketball. I could grip a basketball by the time I was like nine, you know, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the energy that I got. I enjoyed the attention that I got from women. You know what I'm saying? I was always gay as fuck. And like, I liked it. And I didn't, when I got, when I was treated that way, when I was wearing my Jordans and I was in my basketball uniform and I had my blood, my braids in my hair, I didn't feel like a girl. I never felt like a girl. And I didn't feel Asian or I felt like one of the boys. 
I always felt like one of the boys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, it's like, to your point earlier, like I really wish that we could just kind of like be who we are and just like start there because I was giving so many clues to the world and to myself about what I wanted to be and who I was. And here I am now at 36 years old and I'm just basically like letting the world in like, hey, everyone, I'm gender fluid. <laughs> you know, like, hey, just letting you know, they them pronouns, thanks. Yeah. But I was fucking 11 and I was gender fluid. Well, and I, I think that's one thing I think about now. Like, you know, we're talking about our childhoods and how they were colored by these these identifications that we didn't know or understand or had never heard of. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think about people growing up now and I feel like there's so much more access to these things. So when people, I mean, just think about it now, when, when we were growing up, if we had a question about something, it was basically like open an encyclopedia and look it oh up. My like God. that was, that was the big thing. I mean, we barely had like real internet. Encyclopedia Britannica. You bro. know, until like high school, like college Remember age. when the AOL villages came out? Yeah. Like, you know, like we really, like we didn't have access to a lot of information. But yeah. now if you think about anyone growing up, if they have questions about who they are and what it means and if it's normal to do this or if it's normal to feel like that, they can actually look that up and find out what yeah. that is and, and start to really have a, a, a better understanding of themselves earlier on in life that's what's up and i feel like that just leads to people having a a better life experience in the long run yeah i mean so i'm interested because i'm i'm i think it's a i mean i think people are not gonna be that surprised by me letting folks in (laughs) but i feel like people might be surprised by you and i want to i guess i want to ask how did you come to this moment like how did you figure this out oh okay so what are we what are we saying? We're 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 using absolute candor. Absolute candor, bro. Absolute candor. Okay. So how I got here was rough. Yeah. Um. Whew, absolute candor. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how I got here was we stopped having sex, mm-hmm. and I was very distressed by that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I knew it was my fault. Mm-hmm. I knew it was me. I knew I was the one that was like, mm. you know. And it distressed me at first because mm-hmm. I thought, is there something wrong with our relationship? Mm-hmm. Do I not love this person anymore? Mm-hmm. If I don't if I don't want to have sex with her every single day, does that mean this whole thing is going to crumble? Right. Mm-hmm. So that was my first thing. Then I went through a whole bout of depression for mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. Um, around it. Like, oh, my God. Like, how do I how do I get that back? What do I do? Mm-hmm. Right. Um and then kind of coming to the realization at some point where there were things I was saying to you, like, because you had questions, like, you should have questions when things change within your relationship. And yeah. I was like, my love for you has not changed, not in any way, shape, form, or fashion. It's not that I am not attracted to you. That is not an issue that has not gone away. That has not changed. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't have... You know, this this dying passion inside, mm. you know, to, to have sex with you like 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 the whole world has told me I'm supposed to. Mm. And then I thought, you know, they say in marriages, you know, sometimes the, the sex life kind of dies down. I'm like, maybe that's what it is. Right. I just had all these questions like, yeah. where is this coming from? What's the problem? And I was like, I would go to therapy and I talked to therapists and I was like, let me go to the doctor. Maybe I need to I need to get some type of medication. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I took pills for depression. Mm-hmm. You know, I just went through this whole like. I don't even know how many years of my life it mm-hmm. was of just trying to figure out what is what what 
honestly what it felt like there is something wrong with me that mm-hmm. I need to fix and I need to find out what that is and then I find out whatever the solution is to get that get it fixed mm-hmm. and then do that mm-hmm. and I was very invested in that process mm-hmm. whatever it was whatever I had to do I was going to do it mm-hmm. if I had to go to the gym and exercise maybe it was it was um, you know physical thing I'm going to go exercise and get my my energy up or I'm mm-hmm. going to you know you know, build that, that testosterone up in my body. Right. Yeah. It was, if it, if it was just, I need to spend more time with you. Let's go spend some more time together. Let's go on more date nights. If, if it's, mm-hmm. you know, it was all these different things, all this, this, this years long reel of try this, try this, try this, try this, try that. Um, and then just, I can't even remember what happened, but at one, one point I just realized there's nothing that mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's not something that's wrong with me. Right. It's not something it's not something to be fixed there there is no fix for just how i am as a person Uh um and then of course talking to you about that and then having conversations about that and Uh kind of figuring out okay well what does that mean Uh how to what does that mean for us in our relationship like you know and and i think that's that's why i'm always a big proponent proponent of conversations with any of your relationships and, and honesty and like just understanding where people are yeah because you never know yeah and I think, like I said, it's been a years long process yeah. where I feel much better on the other side. Yeah. But it was really hard. I mean, I think we started floating the term ACE in like 2014. Probably. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. But initially I was like, no. I mean, we, we, we revisited it in 2016. It's like every two years we would yeah. like revisit. Well, and that's because people, people like, you know, like I said, people always want to like, do, do ace people have sex? And yeah. it's like, yeah, they do. And yeah. it's like, we've, we've clearly had a sex life. We yeah. had a long sex life. We yeah. have three kids, yeah. you know, all these things. And that's why I always felt like something was wrong because yeah. I'm like, well, I've had sex, yeah. you know? And I've enjoyed sex, yeah. you know, and I've, I've wanted to have, have sex before. So yeah. what's, what's wrong now? Yeah. How, how did things change? And I realized nothing right. has changed. Nothing's changed. And there's no need to, to demonize that. What's That's- interesting is I think the actual change was wanting to have sex, right? Like in the global span of your life, it's like you were not a hypersexual person or anything like that. It's right. not like you were just walking around like, I don't want to have sex all the time. And then it's like, not anymore. No, it's like when you and I met, you, I, the reason why I enjoyed you was that you were not one of those niggas who was like constantly talking about sex. Yeah. You were not like that. And that's why we ended up being such great friends. Me being a queer ass pansexual gender non-conforming person mm-hmm. and you being at the time also an asexual person. And we vibed back then, but I think then we developed a sexual attraction to each other right like we developed that and that to me was like kind of the anomaly well and i think the other thing that and this like i said it's been a long journey to get here but i think the other thing that i started to realize is that our sex life wasn't like a passion thing it wasn't like like i have to get this (laughs) and i feel like that's how sex is always kind of shown in popular media and so you know part of you believes like it's it's supposed to be like that yeah. but for us it was it's always been about connection connection it's intimacy. always been about our love it's always yeah. been about our intimacy like you said yep. that's what it's always been about and that's that's what is still important correct. to me in our relationship today correct and no matter what we're doing correct and so just because it shows up in one way versus another right. doesn't mean there's anything wrong right that's yeah yeah yep <laughs> i ain't got yeah i don't 
Yeah. Well, and, and so, yeah, I, I do want to ask you one question, too. So okay. for you growing up and kind of, you know, having all these these messages about how you're supposed to be and what gender is supposed to show up as on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure a lot of people who might not understand what being gender fluid means. Mm-hmm. I want you to kind of explain a little bit more of what that means for you. Like, mm-hmm. do you, are you a woman today and a man tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Or is it that you are pretending to be one thing one day, pretending to be something else another? Mm-hmm. Is it that you are all those things all the time? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what does that really mean to you? And I, and I said that because I think one of the reasons I think we're doing this episode is really just to bring awareness to these things mm-hmm. and then also to humanize them a little bit. And so I yeah. want people to kind of understand yeah. what that means in yeah. your daily life. Yeah. And I mean, I think what you said earlier too, about like not being representative of everyone, just to be clear, we're not trying to speak on behalf of everybody who is ACE and everyone who's gender fluid. These are our experiences and we're, you know, figuring all this shit out. We're yep. exploring all this shit and we'll probably have more episodes about this stuff. But I know for me, you know, I have never felt a gender to the point where I'm saying that. And I don't know what that means. Like a second ago, you said that you feel like a man. And I was like, wow. Like in my mind, I was like, whoa, because I don't know what that's <laughs> like. Right. And like, like I, you know, growing up, like people would tell me like, you're a girl. But if somebody had said you're a boy, I'd have been like, OK, like I would have never been offended. And I've been misgendered throughout my life and I giggle like I remember I was like I had come back from a basketball game and I was at a Safeway in Oakland with my mom and someone was like sir sir and I turned around and I was like me and he was like oh I'm sorry I'm sorry and he still was kind of like looking at me like I think you're a girl and I was like I'm a girl and he was like I'm so sorry and I just kind of laughed and shrugged it off but like I was never deeply really offended by anyone misgendering me unless I was being a girl, right? Like there were times where I would have on a dress and like makeup and I was like, I feel cute today. I feel so cute. And somebody like, sir. And I'm like, bitch, are you for real? Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> right. Like, and I'm like, I know I'm really tall. Right. But I'm like, but look at me. I'm a girl. Like, look at me. Look at the accentuation of this girl in front of your eyes, right? Because there are times when I genuinely did feel like a girl. Like I felt like a, like as much as I could possibly feel like a girl, I did, right? And, you know, there. but then as soon as I like washed my makeup off and took my clothes off, I was like, I just feel like Jennifer. You know, it was like... It wasn't like I felt like a gender. And like there was no gender that was essential to me. Like I didn't... I don't know if people wake up in the morning and they're like, I'm going to be a great, wonderful black woman today. Like, I don't, I've never done that before, you know? And like, I feel agender most of the time. Most of the time I walk around and I just feel like an alien. Like, I just feel like I'm walking around in a body and it's a cool body. It's pretty awesome. It's done some amazing things. It's pretty strong. And I love this body so very, very much. And I don't want to change it at all. I want this body to stay just as it is. Yep. But it just feels like an alien body. I mean, I think I belong to the same tribe as the blue operatic singer on the fifth element. Yeah. Whatever them women or people or non-human feminine form guard people were that were protecting that operatic singer, them my people. Like, I don't know who they are. That's the same alien tribe I'm from. And I don't know what that is. I mean, maybe I'm a crystal gem. I don't fucking know. Right. And I know that I'm feminine. 
I know that I'm in a feminine form, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't feel at times like woman fits comfortably on me. Right. There are times where, for instance, like being a queer person, like I relate to a lot of different genders of people. And for when I'm with feminine presenting folks, uh, feminine of center folks, um, I don't feel very womanly. I don't feel very feminine. And it's often because there are dominant aspects of my identity that 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 are articulated and that are are that are amplified in those moments. And in those moments, the parts of me that are more related to my girlhood and more related to my womanhood, they fall back. Right. And it happens naturally. It's not something that I'm doing. It's not something I'm performing. It just happens to me. And in those moments, I if 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 that woman, for instance, there was a time where I was talking to a woman and she drew attention to my breasts, for instance, and I immediately felt the need to cover myself. I felt the need to hide my breasts because I felt like there was this attention to this part of my body that was very womanly. And like in high school, I used to bind my breasts a lot. Like I used to wear like two sports bras on days where I just didn't feel like I wanted to be looked at by men or boys. Like I like on days where I was like, I don't feel like being seen as as feminine or girly today. I don't want to deal with the burden of that gender today. And I don't know how to make this. I don't know how this goes for other people. Right. But it's not like a performance. It's not like a pretend it's literally for me, gender at times has felt like a burden, you know, a yeah. burden <laughs> cutting off my hair. You were there. I was crying with joy when I cut my hair off for this last time, when I shaved my head bald and I've cut my hair off four five, six times before this, but this time was different. This time I shaved my hair off to never have hair again because yeah. my hair has been a thing that was dragged for me. My hair was a thing that I was doing to hold on to womanhood to say, just so you know, I'm a girl. Just so you know, I'm a girl, right? Like, don't misgender me anymore. I'm a girl. And yeah. now I don't have to do that anymore. And I think that's that's one thing that, that probably a lot of people don't know. Yeah. Is like you, you, like I had a whole years long kind of struggle trying to figure things out. I think for you, it has been hair. I think hair is probably the, the, the way to best understand. Because mm-hmm. I know for you, you have gone through literally probably every hairstyle. Yes that there is yes trying to find the one yes that works yes that fits that matches who you are yes and i was there for a lot of it yes and sometimes you'd have one you're like yeah this is it i love it weaves i thought the weaves were gonna break it and it would work for a while and then at some point you're like i hate it i hate this shit this is not the hair is touching me i hate it you know that's why i'm saying you've gone through so many things and i think it's like you said you call it you call it drag because it was trying to Trying to, I think, and tell me if I'm if I'm putting words in your mouth and mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but basically trying to figure out which one makes me the woman that I am, mm-hmm. and then coming to find out I'm not just you know a woman. I'm, there is no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is no hair that's going to yeah. solidify me in that way. Yeah, and then now you're free of that. I am, and I think that was it. Right, it was partly like. Which one of these hairstyles can I just have for the rest of my life that will be like the most comfortable thing, right? That will bring me comfort, that I'll feel like myself in, that I'll feel authentic in, you know, like which one of these things can I just wake up and go to sleep and it's still me? Yeah. And none of them ever did it because I don't, I don't, I shouldn't have hair because I don't want, I don't want 
hair. I don't want to be red as anything. I want to be a clean slate because I think inherently I am a gender, right? I think I am a gender. I think that as I walk through the world, I am really a mermaid alien babe. Like I think I'm just some weird alien thing, right? Yeah. And I think that there are times where I feel like a hint of gen- a gender. I'm like, oh, let's go flouncing in this dress today, you know? But there are some articles of clothing I've put on since since like working on myself. And I'm like, I can never wear this again because it's too far for me, right? It's too far yeah. from the comfort in my skin. It's too far from the way that I embody myself, right? It's, it doesn't make me, I don't feel comfortable. And I'm realizing that for so much of my life, gender and the way I was embodying it just wasn't feeling comfortable for me, right? Like I was just doing shit that people said I was supposed to do. Walk around in fucking shoes that hurt all the fucking time. Yep. All the fucking time. Why? For what? Why? Like, you know, like putting on shit that just hurt and like didn't look good, was awkward. My boobs was doing stuff I didn't want them to do. I didn't even want to look like I had boobs. I would rather just have them motherfuckers bound up or put in a sports bra. You know, like I've been on quarantine and I've been like, wow, the lack of bras in my life has Mm -hmm. really changed things. (laughs) You know, like this has been so liberating to the point where I'm like, I'm not going back to putting on gender every day, especially not gender that does not serve me or fit me. Like, why would I do that? What I feel like is I don't feel like, I don't feel like a gender and I shouldn't have to perform it just to make other people feel comfortable. Thank y'all for listening. Before you go, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that BLK couple on Facebook at that black couple and look us up on the internets at www.thatblackcouple.com. Bye.